the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Bria Kat and I'm 11 years old. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'm going to be speaking to Renee Mendelo. She works at Josie Carnival. I will be speaking to her in a little while. Also, on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth, and you will be able to win a voucher for a family of five people to go to the Johannesburg Zoo. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you just want to say hi. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send me a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019 and please sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. Get ready for an exciting show on Kids today. Stay tuned. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bria Kat and I'm 11 years old. I have Renee Mendela with me from Josie Carnivores. So send your questions to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Okay, um, what is Josie Carnivores and what makes you different to other plant shops? So Josie Carnivores is a nursery, but the only kinds of plants that we sell at Josie Carnivores are carnivorous plants. So if you're looking for daisies or roses or herbs or anything like that, please don't come and visit us. But if you're looking for some extraordinary, magical, really amazing plants, then we'd love to see you. Okay, and what are carnivorous plants? Carnivorous plants are very, very special indeed. What makes them so different to other plants is that they don't get their nutrition from the soil. Um, the, The places where they grow naturally are places like bogs and swamps, where there's very, very poor nutrition. And so over hundreds of thousands of years, they've had to change and adapt to their environment. And they've done this by developing their leaves into traps that actually can catch live insects and bugs. And some of them are even get so big that they can catch a mouse or a bird. So they really are very different to normal plants. And it's all got to do with how they have evolved and adapted to their environment so that they can ensure that they survive. Wow, that is like so cool. I've never heard of a plant that does that. Um, can you explain to me what, uh, what was the inspiration behind Josie Carnivals? That's a really great um, question. So many people say to me, oh, you must have been so interested in carnivorous plants and you must have studied them for years. And nothing could be further than the truth. I had three children. They were young, in fact. The middle one, Ella, was your age, 11 at the time. And they were always going to birthday parties. And every week I was going to the shop and I was buying birthday presents, which I didn't mind at all because my children got beautiful birthday presents in return. But what bothered me was that I kept thinking, these are these presents really being used by the children? Or is it the same thing over and over and over? And it worried me that there was so much plastic and so much packaging 
And so that was something that was going through my mind over and over. And at the same time, I was also looking for a change in career. I had came from an advertising background. And it's a long story, which maybe we'll have one day over a cup of tea. But I, by chance, found someone who was growing these carnivorous plants. And I thought, how can all these plants exist that I don't know about? And wouldn't they be the most amazing plants for children? Because after all, they're not just normal plants that sit there. These plants are always getting up to some mischief. They're always catching something or trapping something. And I had this idea that I could grow these plants and I could make lovely care cards to teach people how to look after them. And I could even bottle rainwater, which I did. And people would love the plants. And you know what? I was right. Children really love these plants, but not just children. Adults too. Yeah, they like most of children, eh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so what made you sell, decide to sell carnivorous plants over normal plants? Well, I found these plants really fascinating. Um, and I knew no one else who was doing it. So I thought I didn't want to start a business where there was lots and lots of competition. And maybe if you start a business one day, you really go and look for opportunities where there isn't too much competition. And I just didn't know anyone who was doing this. And all I knew was there was this person in Cape Town who was growing them. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll buy plants from him, uh, from him when they're tiny and I'll grow them bigger and I'll package them beautifully and I'll market them and let's see what happens. And all these years later, I'm still selling carnivorous plants and it brings a lot of joy to so many people. And you said something about plastic. You didn't like all the... Plastic packaging. So how do you package plants? Do you package them any different? Well, they are in little plastic pots because they need somewhere to grow. But if you look, they're not surrounded by boxes or plastic sleeves. In fact, this is a very organic, natural growing thing. And it's such a lovely... Um, it's so lovely introducing children to nature, giving them the experience of working with plants, caring for a plant. And there's something special about these plants, which I'll talk to you more about when we talk about the care of them. These plants really like rainwater. They don't like chemicals and uh, minerals and pesticides. So when someone comes to buy a plant from me, I talk to them about why it is so important to collect rainwater how the earth is running out of water. We, we all know about the drought in Cape Town. And so when you have a plant that really, really wants rainwater and you really, really love your plant, you're actually very motivated to simply stick a bucket under a drain and you real how, realize how easy it is to collect rainwater. And maybe that will become a habit that you practice your whole life and you teach to your children and your grandchildren. And maybe it's just this one little carnivorous plant that started this new kind of behavior. Wow. What do you think about that? That's, I think that's really cool. I've always, I always didn't like how everything is wasted. Water, tissues, paper, everything like that. That's exactly right. So part of my thinking is it's not just plants. It's about a new consciousness of how do we behave responsibly on the earth and we look after our environment and so Josie Carnival started with plants, but now we do a lot of education about how to look after this wonderful, wonderful planet of ours. And what are some of the different types of plants that you sell at Josie Carnivals? So there are four main species um, that we focus on. We do have more, but the main species are the Venus flytrap that everyone knows. That's the one that snaps tight around the insect. Um, 
and we've got one over here in the studio and maybe we're going to get it to close a little bit later. So that's the Venus flytrap. Um, the other one that is really amazing is the sundew. And do you know that South Africa is actually home to lots and lots of carnivorous plants? It's, just, no, it's not just exotic tropical places. There are lots of carnivorous plants growing in nature in South Africa. The next one we've got here is the trumpet pitcher plant, <laughs> which it grows huge. It can grow to over a meter tall and catch hundreds and hundreds of bugs. And then the other one I've got here today is the tropical pitcher plant. And each what, what differentiates them from each other is each one has developed their own trapping mechanism. So I could talk to you for hours how the Venus flytrap will catch a fly compared to, say, the sundew. So the Venus flytrap has what's called an active trap. If we had to trigger it with a little stick that it would mistake for an insect, we would actually see it closing quickly on the fly. And as the fly struggles, it will close even tighter. And then it will release a digestive enzyme that will absorb all the nutrients. Pretty much like if you have to eat something, your tummy will release digestive enzymes that break down the plant, uh, the, the food. And then you absorb all the good bits so you can grow big and strong. It's the same with these plants. The Cape Sundew has what's called a glue trap. And if you look at it, you can see it's very sticky and glistening. And some a fly or a mosquito, we all love mosquitoes, don't we? Or a moth will just land on that glue. It will be attracted to it. It will land in the glue and it will get stuck. Pretty much like us falling into a big pot of glue. And then the leaf will actually wrap around. And the same thing, it will release digestive enzymes and eat up the poor insect. My favorite one, because it's really creepy, is the American trumpet pitcher plant. You can see it's very tall and, and, and uh, slippery inside. The insect will be attracted to the nectar on the plant. It will fall down. And because it's so sleep and slippery and waxy, the poor fly just cannot get out. Gets eaten. That's nature. Not always so <laughs> <That's> kind. <nature. laughs> um, what are some of the first investments that you made in Josie Carnival? Okay, so remember I told you I had this crazy idea that I was going to go and buy plants. I didn't know how to grow plants. I'd never thought about growing plants. And the next thing, this box arrived with plants, and I really didn't know what to do with them. And I took them out, and I planted them, and I stuck them outside, and they started doing terribly and I realized after a while, I watched all these plants looking sicker and sadder. And I realized that growing a few plants on a windowsill in your kitchen is very different to growing hundreds and hundreds of plants outside in your garden. There were two things I had to do in order to make this business work. The one thing was I had to put, on a, put in a sun tunnel so that my plants were protected from the rain. No, not, not from the rain, from the hail and the wind. And the other thing I needed to do, and was maybe one of the best things I've ever done, was I had to install a jojo tank because I needed to collect rainwater. Remember, we said that these plants like rainwater. And I remember we installed this rainwater tank, this green jojo tank, and literally as we tightened the last screws on the pipes so we were now connected, the biggest storm I've ever seen broke. It was almost as if the world was saying to me, thank you, thank you, thank you for collecting rainwater. We're going to reward you. And within about two hours, we'd collected 5,000 litres of rainwater. 
And I thought, this is unbelievable. Collecting rainwater is so easy. Why have I never done this before? And this is part of the message that I want to send to children everywhere. Please, please, please collect rainwater so we don't hit day zero in Joburg or in Cape Town or anywhere. We have to look after water. So it was my sun tunnel. It was a small one. It was far too small, actually, but I didn't know at the time. And it was my first Jojo tank. And eventually we were able to collect about 20,000 litres of water. Easy. Wow. That's amazing. I actually know someone who likes to collect rainwater. My fav- one step ahead of you. <laughs> my favourite people. And when children run up to me in the streets and they tell me how they've collected rainwater, I feel like I'm the rain queen, which is a beautiful thing to feel. Okay. Okay, we now. Do you sell any other uh, plants to shops? Uh, We do supply nurseries. We, um, in fact, Lifestyle Nursery has a lot of our plants, and there are other nurseries who um, stock our plants. And then, of course, people can come and visit us as well, and they love doing that, and we love showing our plants. But nurseries are just one place where we sell them. We do lots of shows. We sell online. So even if you live far away from us and you really feel that you must have a Venus flytrap, we send them all over the the country. So, yeah. Okay. And do you have you ever taken part in a show or conference? We actually have done a lot of shows and conferences, and it's a really important place for us to be. You see, just like me, when I saw these plants for the first time, I didn't know about them. I didn't even know they existed. So it's very difficult for someone to go into a shop and say, I want something if you don't know it even exists. So when we go to the shows, there are lots of people, and we show them something amazing. It's almost like going into a little tropical jungle. Um, We've got some really big shows coming up this month. We've got Hobby X at the Northgate Dome. That's one of the biggest shows we've ever done, and I'm really nervous. It's going to be so busy and exciting. We've got Karmas for Geskenke coming up in April, which is a beautiful um, homeware show. We've got the Linden Market, and we've also got a botanical market coming up, a botanical show coming up in a botanical garden. So we've got a very, very busy two months coming up. But think of all the people who will get to know about my plants and maybe say, you know, this is a really great present for my grandchild or for my daughter, or I'd really like my children to start rainwater harvesting. Maybe if I give them a plant... They'll start taking an interest in that. But you know what's also amazing? Sometimes grannies come and buy plants for their grandchildren, but sometimes grandchildren come and buy plants for their grannies. So it seems that everyone is interested in carnivorous plants. Wow. Um, what is a homeware, something you said something about a homeware conference? That's called Karmas for, for Geskenke. It means rooms full of presents. And that's where all the most beautiful, beautiful products in South Africa are showcased. I think this year it's at St. David's School. I might be incorrect, but it's somewhere in Inanda, so not too far. Just really, really beautiful stuff. And what is amazing, that my plants, that were created by God, not by me, but they are as beautiful as anything that you will find on that show. So it's really, really a privilege to be there. They really are. And... Well, how how long have you been doing Hobby X? That's something I actually know about. 
It's my first one. I've never been there. That's why I'm feeling so nervous. Can you tell me a bit about Hobby X? Oh, it's huge. There's, if you want to find someone, you're going to have a very hard job looking for that, really? that person. It's huge. There's everything there. Everything. Literally, it's like crazy so, huge. So lots and lots of people are now beginning to keep carnivorous plants for a hobby, but also as an amazing form of organic pest control because the one thing these plants do is they eat insects. You know that annoying fly that's buzzing around your kitchen? These plants will eat them. And it's not by mistake. They are actively attracting these flies and mosquitoes and moths to them. So there's this new understanding that we don't need to get a pesticide or a chemical or something that's destructive to the environment or even to your health. Let's try something green, something that has evolved to catch insects. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bruria Katz and I'm 11 years old. Today I have Renee Mendelo from Josie Carnivore in studio with me. If you have any questions for her, you can send an SMS to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061 895 1019 or call 010 3020. Let's carry on with the questions. Do you have any special programs for children? We do have some special programs for children. The thing about carnivorous plants is they are such a natural way of teaching children and adults about so many important things. For example, when you get a carnivorous plant, which is so great at catching insects, the first thing you want to do is you want to learn how to look after them. You also start having a relationship with nature. You start learning about gardening. You start learning about rainwater harvesting. You also can start learning about how species adapt to the environment as a way of surviving. So because carnivorous plants are so educational, we started developing the Josie Carnivores Schools Program, which is a fantastic program. Sometimes we go to schools, sometimes schools come to us, and we learn about the different plants, we go hunting for insects, we do planting. It's a real day out in nature. It's quite a messy day, but I think children like being messy and running around and digging under rocks more than sitting quietly at a desk not being able to say anything. So Josie Carnivores is a really, really special activity, and we usually uh, organize with the school that everyone who attends gets to take their own carnivorous plant home. We've also had lots of requests for birthday parties, and in fact, the first official Josie Carnivore birthday party is having, happening this weekend, something else that I hope will go really well. And there will, of course, be feeding time, which is an important part of the day where we actually find insects and then feed them to the plants. And we learn about insects and nature and rainwater harvesting, which is what I'm always talking about. So education underpins everything because Josie Carnivores is really about conservation and environmentalism and having so much fun with nature. Okay, very, very interesting. And will you... Would you take like a single family? Would you do a single family? We can always look at different um, re requests and see what see what the needs are and then discuss it with them directly. Okay. 
And do you have any people who work for you? I do have people who work for me. You know, sometimes when you start a business, you have this idea. It's just this idea. I'm going to grow carnivorous plants. The reality of having a business, especially a business that involves growing stuff, is it's lots and lots and lots of hard work every day because these plants need care and they need protection and they need water. So we work hard and I couldn't manage without Cassius. Who knows everything about the business, and he is a rock. And we've got other people, Steve and Macy, and they, we all work together, and we all do everything. In my business, everyone does everything, and that's kind of cool. Everyone's on the same level, I think. Yep. Sounds like very, that is really cool. We all help each other, bail each other out, pick each other up when one of us is tired. And what attributes do you value most in an employee? Without a doubt, consistency. The fact that you can rely on someone, the fact that you can know that they are going to do what they promise and that they are responsible and reliable and just there for you, that is such an amazing, amazing asset. So maybe you'll say, oh, they must be very smart or very this or very that. Actually, someone who is there and you know that you can lean on them, it means the world. I don't know if they'd say that about me because I kind of am all over the place and quite disorganized. So when you have people you can really turn to, it's just brilliant. I agree. Um, what do you love most about your job? Hmm. So without a doubt, even after all these years, when I see how excited and amazed and surprised people get when they see my plants, because for me now, I'm really used to them. It still takes my breath away. I still realize that I'm doing something magical. And I'm showing people something that they just don't know about. And I think that's a really, really lovely place to be in. I love it when people come up to me, people I don't even recognize anymore, and they tell me how much water they've collected. And they feel so proud of themselves. And they understand the value of what they're doing. It makes me so happy. And can you tell me about your best cli client experience? Hmm, that's a tough one. Again, I'm going to refer to my last answer. It's just people who are so happy and amazed by what they're seeing. And that's what keeps me motivated. And what would you say is the most difficult part of your job? So for me, I absolutely hate admin. Do you know what admin is? It's the invoicing, it's all the writing, it's all the letters. I don't mind if someone writes to me and says, I've got a problem with my plant, what should I do? That's fine. But all the stuff that is so essential to make a business work and profitable, for me, it is a night there. I sit at my computer and I feel this horror rising me and, hey, it's, I'm never going to get over it. Some people are more creative, others are more good at admin. That really is a weak spot of mine. And can you tell me about your typical day? So my typical day um, is very, very varied. Sometimes it might be we've just got in a whole lot of tiny plants from the lab because a lot of these plants actually start off in a laboratory, not from seed, because we need to get lots of them. So if I need a thousand Venus flytraps for a show, I've got to make sure I can get them. And, they, and I couldn't do that from seed. 
So it might be a day of planting, which I love. That's my thing. Sometimes it might be a day of organizing for a show or doing a school program. Maybe we need to cut back all the dead parts of the plants. I also love doing that. I really love cutting off dead leaves. In fact, if I could happily cut off dead leaves all day, that would be a perfect day for me. Sometimes we work on marketing campaigns. Sometimes we come to radio stations and I get the privilege of talking to an amazing young lady like you. Thank you. Who is the best interviewer I've ever had. And I've had lots of interviewers. And I'm not saying that because I feel you listening to me. So thank you. Um, so every day is different. Some days are lazy days. Some days are super busy days. Who knows? So that's nice. You have a holiday every day. Different. Everybody says change is good as a holiday. Exactly so you right. You have a holiday every day. Exactly right. <laughs> um, and what is the most, the biggest thing you've learned in your business? I think the biggest thing about a business is. When all the fun bit goes away and all the inspiration goes away, that is not the time to give up. You have to keep on working at it. Even when it's no longer fun, even when you doubt yourself, you've really got to just keep on working and working and finding the motivation. And those happy children that come and tell me about the rainwater or the excitement on the Boba's face when she's given a Venus flytrap by a little child... I think about that and I think now is not the time to quit. You're still bringing a certain magic to children. And that's what you started off doing. You didn't like those plastic birthday presents. You wanted children to work with nature. Keep on. Keep on with your vision. But I promise you, it's not always easy. And I'm sure lots of mummies and daddies out there who are listening know exactly what I'm talking about. And can you please tell me how the Venus flytrap catches us to prey? Would you like to see? Well, we can't show the the view uh, the listeners, but I'm sure we can give them a good idea. So, the Venus flytrap has this really amazing trap with what looks like almost like eyelashes at the end. And if you look carefully, and you having or all the many of the young children can see this easily, whereas older people can't. Perhaps you can see their little hairs. Take the plant. They're little hairs on each lobe. Can you see that on each part oh, of the trap? Oh, yes, I can. Okay. So now those are called trigger hairs, and an insect like a fly has to touch one of those trigger, at least one of those trigger hairs at least twice in rapid succession. And that sends a signal to the plant that there's some prey over there and they must close. And we are going to try that now. So what I want you to do is take this, Take this thin stick and gently rub it across two of those hairs and let's see what happens. What did you see Oh there? my gosh, that trap is closed. Exactly that is so right. cool. So now the fly would be stuck inside that trap and it would struggle around and the fly would realize this isn't a leaf or a drop of rainwater, and it would actually seal tight and start releasing an enzyme. Now, if you should be lucky enough to get your own Venus flytrap one day, what we tell everyone is, please do not trigger the Venus flytraps. And what is the reason for that? Well, obviously, the reason I gave you permission, and I know you wouldn't have done it without permission, is that there's such a fantastic opportunity to explain to so many people how these flytraps work. But it actually uses up a lot of the plant's energy. 
without the reward of a proper meal, which would be the equivalent of a fly or a moth, the equivalent of you eating a big chicken, a piece of chicken after maybe running a marathon or doing a swimming gala. And we don't want to do anything that might harm the health of the plant. So if you really want to feed your plant, you can. You can get a blood worm from a pet shop or you could catch a fly. And as long as it's wiggly and fresh, your plant will love you. So in general, we don't trigger the traps. But because this is a really special occasion, it's absolutely fine too. And you saw how amazingly quickly that plant closed. What an amazingly effective hunter it is even though it just sits there and can't move a muscle. It's amazing, and I think that's very important what you said about not triggering the plant. Also with animals, if, you know, like, let's say you want to see what a chicken would do if you tap its head or pull its feathers. It's the same thing. Would you like your hair to be pulled just for people to see your face? I don't think you would, so I think that's very important. And can you tell me about the sundew? So this sundew is really amazing. Its botanical name is Drosera, which comes from the Greek word, uh, which means dewy. And if you look at how beautifully shiny these plants are, you can see they've got all these glue drops, these big globules of glue. And um, what's amazing about this plant is not only does it stand still, it also wraps around the insect once it's been caught because that allows more digestive enzymes to be spread on them. And it's got a mixture of what's called a passive, passive when you do nothing, and an active trap. So a really amazing plant. This beautiful, beautiful plant we're looking at is called the Cape Sundew. It's endemic to the Western Cape. Endemic such a lovely word. It means the only place in the world where it naturally grows is in South Africa and, in fact, in the Western Cape where we have the terrible drought at the moment. I'm so proud of the people in the Western Cape for the way they've managed to push back day zero. And when I talk about why it's important, when I use my plants to explain to people why it's important to collect rainwater, and we look at this very hard situation in Cape Town, I know I'm doing something good. Um, Why I also like this Cape Sundew is that it gets a flower, And the seeds drop, and your one sundew can turn into hundreds and hundreds of sundews so easily until you've got almost a field of them. It's a very, very special plant. Wow. And I saw that you put your finger on the leaf and nothing happened to it. So, like, how does it trap its prey, first of all? And how does it know the difference between a finger and a fly? Well, that, that's a very good question. Firstly, I'm very much stronger than a fly. So for even the, when I touch the leaf, you'll see it's following my finger because it's stuck to it. But for me to remove my finger, I just have the e- easily the strength. How, imagine you've got a little dragonfly with those beautiful, beautiful, thin, gossamer-thin wings. They're almost like lace. If it gets stuck on one of these things, it's completely overpowered. And the more it struggles, sadly... The, stronger, uh, the more stuck it becomes. But this is a true epic battle between plants and wildlife. And it goes against what we understand. Normally, it's us that eat meat. Here, exactly the opposite is happening. It's a complete inversion of how we understand nature to work. It makes us think. It does. So, so that, that plant doesn't necessarily get an activator trap. It basically has a trap the whole time, like putting a hole in your garden. It's a very clever way of thinking about it. Yes, it's standing there, it's waiting, 
and and this is what's and it's quite nice because the fly doesn't have to go into the trap like it does with the Venus flytrap. It just has to brush past and it will get caught. But remember, it's also got that very special mechanism where in addition to being there open all the time, it also wraps around the prey. Oh, so it's yes. a mixture of the two. So, yeah, okay. And what about this other one over here? Okay, so this is the trumpet pitcher. This plant, it's not a very big one at the moment, but this one can get to over a meter tall and catch hundreds and hundreds of flies every day. For example, if it was near a stable or a place where there were lots of flies. So this is a really super plant. If you can see this little lid on the top of the leaf, that is like a landing pad where the insect will come and land. It will then fly across to the front where there's this uh, nectar. And in that nectar, there's a drug that actually makes it all wobbly and dizzy. And while it's eating the nectar, it just falls into this hole. You've got to say to yourself, why on earth would a fly fall into a hole? It's crazy. I have tried to catch a fly so often with my hands, I always miss. But here you've got a fly falling into the small hole over and over and over. This plant has been perfectly designed to catch insects all the time. Really? One of my favorite plants, the American trumpet pitcher. Very cool. Um, Can you please tell us the most important things you would need to know to grow and care for these amazing plants? Okay, that's a good question too, because I think maybe some of you guys might consider keeping these plants as a pre- uh, as a hobby in order to learn about a, new, a, a wonderful new gardening experience. So I'm going to tell you the most important rules, okay? Most of the plants that we sell love sun. So if they love sun, you have to put them in a sunny position. If you put them in a shady position... Their life is always going to be difficult, and instead of growing big and strong and tall and robust, they're going to be floppy and weak and look pale green, and they're not going to catch insects, and they're not going to develop properly, and it's going to be sad for you and sad for the plant. So the first thing is understand the conditions that your plants need, and all our plants come with a beautiful care card that are going to tell you more or less what I'm telling you now. If it's not enough information, there's so much information online and so many beautiful pictures. So, give your plants sun. The next thing is this. These plants need what are called wet feet. They don't want you to water them from the top. They want to stand in a little tray of water and drink from the bottom. And this has all got to do with recreating the environment in which they naturally grow. These plants grow in bogs and minerals and swamps. Do you remember Shrek? Shrek lived in a swamp. And it's full of water, so all the nutrients are being washed away. It's a horrible place for a plant to live. Our carnivorous plants like to live there for various reasons, which I can tell you in a little bit. We want our plants to think they are living in a bog. So what do we do? We put them in a tray of water and we allow them to drink from the bottom. Okay, so our first rule was lots of sun. Our second rule was water from the bottom. The third rule is they love, 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 love rainwater. They don't want tap water. Tap water is full of chlorine and minerals. That's not what our plants want. These are so organic. So you don't want to have a plant that's doing really well and then suddenly it gets sick and you don't know why. And it can be because you've been using tap water for too long. So 
Ideally, you collect rainwater. And you collect rainwater not just for summer, but also to see you through the whole winter. And imagine how good you'll feel after doing that. Um, You don't give them chemicals. You don't give them fertilizers. You don't give them pesticides. If you run into a problem, you call us. We tell you what to do. If you don't have rainwater, and because there's been a drought or because you haven't, uh, you've run out, then what you do is you can use reverse osmosis water, which you get from spa, or distilled water that you get from any chemist. And then um, those, are, those are the main rules, and that will get you very far in your journey of becoming a carnivorous plant gardener, and maybe even starting your own bug garden. Thank you, Renee Mendelo, for coming to Kha Kids and teaching us more about plants.